And of course, in Miracle, there's a wonderful line that says, in order to forgive, you must have blamed. The implication is, once you stop blaming all of the people in your past for what your life is like today, once you stop blaming, forgiveness is no longer an issue in your life. That's Dr. Wayne Dyer, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Hello, and welcome back. To the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to change your relationship with depression. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. So we are wrapping up our week with Dr. Wayne Dyer with a powerful talk on love, hate, and forgiveness. Here's Dr. Wayne Dyer. Enjoy. And of course, in Miracle, there's a wonderful line that says, in order to forgive you must have blamed. The implication is, once you stop blaming all of the people in your past for what your life is like today, once you stop blaming, forgiveness is no longer an issue in your life. Mark Twain put it this way, he said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. The poets say it so well, don't they? The fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. So what I encourage you to do, if you want to move into a higher level of awareness and understand the wisdom of the ages and of the masters, is to take a look at everything and everyone in your past and understand that it's all over. All thy tears can't wash out one word of it or one moment of it. It's all in the past. And take that observation that it's all over with everything that happens in the universe is a part of a system that has a divine intelligence to it. So that maybe, and who's to say, maybe, just entertain the thought. I know it sounds a little weird, and as I said, when things are a little weird, I like to point it out, so you don't think I don't know (laughs) that this is a little bit weird. But just entertain the idea that maybe we all sign up for what it is that we have to do here. As one of the books that I read, uh, I believe it was by Betty Eady, when she talked about her near-death experience and having met a man who sat by a building where executives went in and out on Wall Street, I believe it was, and he sat there every day begging. And he had signed up to come here to do this, to just take this lifetime and beg so that he could teach one person who was walking into that building every single day compassion. That was his purpose. Now, it sounds strange, of course, but 
When I think about the transformation that took place in my own life after that day in August of 1974, at that time I was about 25 pounds overweight. I was a candidate for a cardiac arrest. I used to eat three greasy cheeseburgers every day with shiny buns <laughs> so that the grease had splattered all over them. And the shinier the buns, the more I loved them. Along with a couple of orders of french fries and some Coca-Cola and a few beers. And I wasn't exercising at all. I was working way too many hours. I was in a relationship that was painful to both of us. I was playing around with substances. I was a type A personality. And I hardly even had time to think about something called God or higher awareness or consciousness. And I walked away from that meeting and it was just a short time later that in 14 days I wrote a book that today has over 30 million copies in print in 47 languages now, called Your Erroneous Sounds, in 14 days. And I got out of the relationship that I was in that was poisonous to both of us, and I allowed myself to open my heart chakra so that the spirits, as Rumi said, could move in and out of that space in my chest and allowed for my soulmate, my love, to come into my life. I began exercising and running, and I've run every day, virtually every single day, for over two decades without missing a day. Eight miles at least, many days much more. I began to keep myself physically fit, and prayer is a part of my life, and meditation is a part of my life. And I can trace it back to a day, a moment, a satarai, a natoihi, a great seeing, a peak experience, call it what you want. And this petty tyrant, perhaps in his conversation with God before he showed up here at the early part of this century, perhaps he said, I'm going to have to teach my youngest boy something called forgiveness in order that he can teach people to reach their greatest potential in their lives. Now, Maybe he didn't, but that's exactly what happened. And all I can say about everything that ever happened to you in your past is that it did. It did. And that's enough. That's proof enough that it had to happen. So what you have to do with all of the events of your past is unbond yourself to the wound Forgive, which is the basis for virtually all spiritual practice, forgive them, whatever practice might be yours, forgive them. And then, in many ways, what I do is I thank them. And I thank my father. And in some ways, I know in my heart that this man had to know over the years, he had to know that his presence in my life would have been to my detriment. And maybe it was more courageous of him 
not to make the call than to do so. I don't know. My mother doesn't see it that way. But that's okay. She has her path. So that's how I tend to view it, from a perspective of he did what he had to do. And everybody in your life, you can say this about for sure, they did what they knew how to do, given the conditions of their life. Wasn't good, wasn't bad, maybe wasn't right, maybe wasn't wrong. Some of the most powerful images that I can recall, one is the cover of Newsweek magazine a while back, where the Pope, Pope John Paul II, is in a prison cell with a Bulgarian man who attempted to assassinate him. And they are sitting there together. And this holy man, who is one of the great symbols of holiness on our planet, is practicing something called forgiveness. I remember seeing a story on whether 2020 or Dateline or one of these shows of a mother whose daughter had been killed by someone in a rage who had been taking drugs. And for 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 years, this woman had lived in horror at what had been taken away from her, her daughter. And she knew that this man was going to be executed. And she went to death row and they photographed her talking to the man who had killed her daughter. And she held up her hand on the glass and he put his hand up on the glass on the other side. And she had tears coming down her eyes and she realized that he was just as much a victim. And they showed the story not only of the woman whose daughter had been taken away and the story of the daughter and what a horrible, difficult struggle that was, but they showed the story of the man who had done the executing when he was just a little boy, when he was in his mother's arms and all of the places that he had gone in his life. And when she walked away, she was free for the first time. Free for the first time. Forgiveness is an act of the heart. This is not to condone violence. This is not to excuse people. This is not to say that people who commit crimes shouldn't be held responsible for their behavior. Of course they should. And your position on capital punishment is not even relevant here. I'm sure you would know mine, but it's not relevant. The question of being responsible for what you do is very different than carrying around the hatred and the bitterness. There's an old Chinese saying, it goes like this. If you're going to pursue revenge, you'd better dig two graves. And the second grave is for you-know-who, because it will tear you apart and ultimately kill you. See, I often have said no one dies from a snake bite. Snake bites you, and you can't be unbitten. What will kill you is the venom that continues to pour through your system after the bite. And the venom that continues to pour through our systems after we've been bitten, and all of us have been bitten, in some way or another, all of us have been bitten. And to me, these are tests. These are opportunities for us to transcend those hatreds 
and remove the venom so it doesn't continue to kill us. And all of us have parents who have done things that we would rather they hadn't done. All of us have been treated and mistreated by people in love affairs. All of us have had something stolen from us. All of us have been in some way abused. In some way or another, everybody has their own cross to bear. The question is whether or not you can look back. And I did this. I did this as a ritual one time. I did it because I was in training to do this sort of thing with a great master. And he suggested that what I do, that all of us do, is that we take all of the people who have ever done anything to us that we harbor resentment toward, whatever little amount it might be, the person who borrowed money from you and never paid you back, the person who ripped you off on a scam, the person who sold you something that didn't work and wouldn't give you back what you thought you were entitled to. The parents, the grandparents who abused you, who abandoned you, the people who didn't live up to your expectation. All of the people, make a list of all of those people who they are. And then send them all love. Send them gifts. Write them letters. And let them know that when you leave this planet, you will never leave it with anything left over like resentment, anger, or hatred. There will be no one out there to feel that way towards you. Practice that. It's a wonderful opportunity. I can recall several years ago, actually a decade or so ago now, that I was being threatened with a lawsuit. And this person claimed that she had been abused by me because of what I had said on the radio. And she had also read some of my books, and she had followed that advice, and she had ended up in a mental hospital. In fact, she had spent 17 or 18 years, which was almost half of her life, in a mental hospital. And she wanted to sue me. And she got somebody in the legal profession to take this case. And so they were filing a suit against me. And I remember how much anger I felt toward this and how righteous I felt and how abused I felt. I could understand a mental patient perhaps thinking that I was the cause of her mental illness. But for somebody to take this kind of a case. And so I decided I was going to fight it. And I hired a lawyer and I started paying lots and lots and lots of money because they charge by the hour. And people who charge by the hour are never in a hurry to work fast. <laughs> and they're not usually in a hurry to get resolutions. They like it to draw out because... And so I had invested thousands and thousands of dollars in this, and it didn't seem to be going anywhere. And we went finally for something called a summary judgment, which is an opportunity to just have this thing thrown out. And they voted to throw it out. They said that, she couldn't claim that I was her therapist or whatever because I had never met her. And you can't be someone's therapist if they don't, whatever it was. So I was thrown out and I was sort of relieved. And then a week later, I got another letter from the attorney saying they were going to appeal the summary judgment. So now it had to go to an appellate and I had to now have the lawyer who was still charging the same amount of money per hour to 
and it was going to go on, and this was going to take maybe six months, and there would have to be depositions, and all of this was just skyrocketing into this absurd thing. And not only that, but during the whole time, of course, I was being threatened with bad publicity, and they were going to reveal this to the public and all of that, and, and my reputation, this and that, and, and I, at that time, I thought that I was much more famous than I was. <laughs> because I've since discovered that people really don't care at all about what I do and what my life is going on, and so I've discovered all of that. But, but my ego was much different in those days. And then it came to me one day, walking along the beach, quietly meditating, getting more peaceful, and realizing that I was getting sick over this thing, and that I was living in this false fear and so on. And I made a decision. It was over. The case was over. I called my attorney, and I told him that I was dropping it. Whatever they did was okay with me. And I called my secretary, and I told her to send some flowers to this person, and send some books to them, and send them love, and wish them well. And I walked away from it. I literally just walked away. I just didn't, it, I no longer cared. When I finally surrendered, I was detached from outcome. I no longer needed to win or needed to be right. It was okay. And I was at peace, and I told my wife, I said, no longer am I going to deal with this thing. It's just not a part of my life anymore. They can do anything they want with it. I swear to you, two days later, I got a notice from the attorney for the person who was doing the suing that they had decided to drop this case that it had no merit, and that they were sorry for any inconvenience they had caused me for the previous two years. It was over. And in my prayers and in my heart, I pictured this person, and I sent that person love. And I surrounded her with light. And it was gone. Forgiveness. Letting go. Big thanks to Dr. Dyer for stopping by. And if you want to delve deeper into his work, you don't necessarily have to go on Audible and purchase his ultimate library. You can just go on YouTube and consume anything that has his name on it. I can almost promise you that you will not be disappointed. And once again, thanks for Dr. Dyer for stopping by. And you can connect with him by visiting his website, drwaynedyer.com. And check out his latest book entitled Happiness is the Way, How to Reframe Your Thinking and Work with What You Already Have to Live the Life of Your Dreams. And if you like this clip, there will be a link to the entire talk, as well as all the links to connect with Dr. Dyer in the show description. And lastly, when you get a chance, please follow the show on Spotify podcasts, share it or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and also, if you happen to listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'm saying podcasts a lot, but if you happen to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, please uh, leave a rating and review if you so kindly do. And that's a wrap for me. I appreciate you for tuning in. I hope you have a great weekend and I will see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.